we're back with another episode of Conversations and Connections. Again, we're the official podcast of the Family Crisis Center of East Texas. I'm Stuart Burson, the Prevention Coordinator for the agency. And with me for our episode today, we have Tanya Acreage. She's a licensed social worker uh, with the Lufkin ISD. And uh, Tanya is no stranger to the podcast. Tanya, I was looking in my vast database. Tanya was uh, a guest on the show back in, I think it was 2020, I believe. And we were actually talking about teen dating violence then. But I wanted to have Tanya come back on the show and just kind of talk a little bit about just her role as a social worker, just period. Uh, with Lufkin ISD and what all that entails. Uh, Tanya, I remember when I was going to school, and and I was out of training uh, last week, and we were talking about this. Um, I remember having a school counselor. Everybody had a counselor, but no one, and, and of course I'm dating myself. This was in the 80s. No one ever really explained to us what that counselor was for. You know, uh, I think we all kind of assumed, okay, well, you know, if we have a question about our classes, what classes to take, or what career path we may want to choose. But as far as any other type of things that counselor was would probably be able to do for us, no one really explained that to us. And I don't know if that was just the way it was back then, and, and things are different now, or what. But uh, Tanya, thanks for agreeing to come back and being, being on the show again. Um, so let's first of all just kind of talk about your role. What a social worker, what role does a social worker play in a school system? Well, a social worker in general, not just with Lufkin ISD, but you know, our field of education uh, encompasses some studies, which is conflict resolution, uh, resource allocation, advocacy, so much more than what people think of when they think of social worker. Uh, and so because of that, any agency we complement that agency, especially when it's a an agency that deals specifically with uh, families, family units. Mm-hmm. Um, in a school district itself, any school district can utilize a social worker for at-risk uh, uh, students. Students are at risk of dropping out. Just as a uh, person who can encourage family involvement. As far as in our school district uh, itself, what I do, uh, I have several roles I play. As far as a social worker itself, I serve it more, more in, a, in a capacity of referral and resources for parents. Um, I have a federal title, which is a McKinney-Vento liaison. That's a homeless liaison, and that is a title that's defined under a federal law called McKinney-Vento Act. And we can go into that more later if you'd mm-hmm. like. And I'm also the foster care liaison, which is a state uh, mandated uh, position in a school district to advocate and uh, kind of help with the foster care children that come in our district. So uh, there's just a lot of different capacities a social worker can serve in because of our behavioral education we have in our field, um, human development, as I mentioned, conflict management. Right. Okay. And I guess I was one, and, and I don't know if you know this, because I know every school district is going to be d- different, but school counselors back in our day, when we were in high school, did they still perform the types of services you just mentioned? Like if I had, or if, if, a, if a student back then had mental health issues, could they go to their counselor? Was their count- I, guess, I guess one of the questions I had was, your school counselor back then, were they... Um, 
licensed social workers or was it a completely different type of thing back then? I know in our school district, uh, counselors per se in a school district are not counselors as in you counsel someone uh, as in a one-on-one counseling session. They're more for a support type system. They're educated in a different way as far as in their educational field in the school district, in a school system, in a university system. Okay. Uh, Oftentimes they may be LPCs and they do that maybe in a different capacity. Um, Back in the day, as you mentioned, when we were in school, (laughs) and even in the history of Lufkin ISD, we had oftentimes people who were called visiting teachers, and they would go out to the homes and visit for various reasons. Social workers do go back. Royce Garrett, in fact, he uh, previously, I believe, worked for the school district in a capacity of a social worker. Even uh, my predecessor, Brenda Dunn, who was here before me, What she did is almost totally different from what I do now. So we have evolved just like everything has evolved into we've expanded more of what we can do. And what we as a profession, we sell ourselves as what we're available to do as more like an advocate for the parent and the child. Okay. Okay. All right. Um, So you kind of went over your specialty with the school district uh, in social services um, and and your responsibilities. Obviously, you probably don't shoulder all the responsibilities. I'm sure there's a a team that you're a part of um, at the school district, correct? I work closely, honestly, with everybody, especially, like you say, the counselors. I'm more of a compliment to that. I'm a resource for them. I work closely with the school nurses. Uh, With all the campuses I work closely with, especially with my hat as a homeless and foster care liaison. Uh, because those students are not just isolated to one particular grade. They're throughout the district. So uh, we have a wonderful team of counselors and nurses and um, that we all work closely together. Sure. And, you know, this may be a big general question, or and, I, and you probably can ask this question I'm about to ask you to five or six different people. They may give you five or six different answers. But your line of work and... You know, you maybe see kids facing a lot of issues. You know, it, it's a completely different world today than it was when we were kids. And I hate to sound like that person, but it is. It, it's it's kids have it completely different than it was back when when I was a kid. Can you talk about some of the things you see the biggest issues our kids are facing today? And like I said, this is a question. Everybody probably has their own opinions and different answers for this, but uh, working with kids in in the role that you have, I would just like to get your input on that. You know, currently, of course, financial situations for parents, you know, everybody's struggling for a variety of reasons, and that impacts a child. You know, resources, pressure, uh, as we all know, we think our children may not know what's going on at home, but they do. (coughs) Excuse me. Oh, you're good. But... um, and so that's a big impact on children and families. The other thing is, of course, peer pressure. And with social media, uh, the way it is, sure, that increases. Right. I think those are two huge things. Right, right. What role did or is currently COVID having on kids? You're good. <coughs> <laughs> oh, excuse me. Oh, you're all right. One more. Get it, get it, get it out I'm of there. Sorry. Right? <laughs> well, well, how big of an impact or what kind of impact did COVID play or is even currently playing 
um, on our kids. I think a lot of students, <clears throat> excuse me, missed out on a lot of social interaction on top of the academic, you know, mm -hmm. a little bit, there was a, um, I guess for lack of a better word, there was a little bit of a, uh, a void there because we didn't have that one-on-one -on -one with teachers. Right. Um, and we're seeing that uh, because there is a little bit of a gap. There was a lot of fear for some parents to send their children to school, and so they may not have. And so, <clears throat> and even the ones that were in attendance, oftentimes, as you know, they attended on Zoom. Uh, and so there was a lack of, of social interaction and I think that caused a lot of uh, delay in some students. Sure. And and the insecurity with parents. Yeah. To bring their kid back into the one-on-one. You know, you brought up something that I've always, and this is just my personal take on this, and I'm not saying yay or nay, because I know there's a lot of people out there who homeschool their kids. And it's always been my thought, and I may be completely wrong, uh, kids that are homeschooled, I've they miss out on so much of the social interaction with fellow students, I think, because, yes, of course, you know, we, our kids go to school to, to learn and to get an education. But I think part of that school experience is the social interaction with fellow students and teachers and, and others on campus. Um, and I agree. I think there is a huge part of education that includes social interaction. I think it even goes back to when all of us have probably started kindergarten or sent our child to kindergarten, how we learn structure. We yeah. learn to obey small rules, whether it's sit on our square or whether it's, <laughs> you know, color in the lines. You know, we just learn how to obey rules sure. that are set in place for our safety. Um, and there's wonderful homeschool organizations. Um of course, as a public school advocate, that's one reason why I do recommend that because you are socialized into the real world of other individuals, other children. Sure. And I think that's a huge thing. And I think COVID probably showed that to us that, you know, that lack of social interaction can, can yeah. overflow into other things. Right. What can parents do today to encourage and support their kids? I, and I know, again, that's kind of a very, that may be a very broad question. Uh, and I know different parenting styles. I think you know that you have the you have some parents that are so involved in their kid they may be almost too involved in their kids' lives. And then you have the other parents who really don't even know probably what their kids are doing at all when they go to school. What what can parents do to encourage and support their kids? You know, we have the parents who may have time to uh, volunteer, PTA, PTO, you know, go to the fall festivals and help. And that's wonderful. Parent involvement is huge. But those parents who don't have time, there's many parents who work two or three jobs. Mm -hmm. And they shouldn't feel guilty that they can't do those things. Right. But sure. there's so many other things they can do. And I think all parents need to be aware of the fact that, you know, check the child's folder at night. You know, make sure there's no communication there that needs to be done. Communicate with the, with, the, with the parent, I mean, with the teacher or the principal mm -hmm. or the counselor on campus when they can to show the child that they're involved. Statistics show that parents who are involved in their child's education, that that child has a bigger chance of succeeding in school. Okay. And so just knowing that parents there, uh, you know, we oftentimes tell even kindergarten parents when you're going grocery shopping with your child, uh, 
there's a way to educate. You know, look at the fruit section, weigh the objects, look at the prices, do the math. You know, just the little things in life that yeah, we forget sure. that we can get the child involved in the educational experience. Yeah. That's cool. Um, how do you go about identifying a, a student that needs social services? Is it, does a, a teacher bring the attention to you that, hey, I think I may have a child in my class that needs help? Uh, how does that support system work? So you are connected to the student that needs your, your services and your help. Well, as I mentioned before, I'm not really a social service type uh, agency within the school district. I'm more of a resource person. Okay. I know social workers in general in the public uh, have a different definition of a social work. My job or my role in the school district is a person who someone can call and say, you know, the mother called and said they need some assistance, lost their home to a fire, uh, that they may need some assistance obtaining some shoes. Uh, resources to help them know how their utilities can be cut back on, or the basic uh, basic information about, you know, how do I set up transportation? Mm-hmm. So I'm more of a resource person. So it's usually gotcha. via the office, like the counselor okay. will call and say the mother has uh, requested help, so I gave her your number so she can call you. And so it's more gotcha. of that type of role in our school Sure, district. sure. Okay. All right. How long have you been doing this? I'm in my 26th year at Lufkin IST now. Wow. So what got you interested in doing this type of work? Is this something that when you, is this something you always thought about this? Hey, this is the career path I want to do. Or did you just kind of stumble upon it? How, how did you find yourself doing the type of work that you're doing now? Well, I always, always enjoyed helping people, but I worked at a hospital uh, prior to getting my degree in social work and worked closely with a social worker there. And I saw where she not only worked with the individuals there in the hospital, she followed them to the home as far as their resources, uh, the things they needed to help them there. And I liked that, that she was there, you know, where they were, not just Mm -hmm. in the institution of a hospital, but, you know, where they lived and were able to look at what they needed and help them in that way. And I really liked that. This is something you may have answered already. Forgive me if you have. Do... The type of work that you do within Lufkin ISD, how common is that for other school districts to have someone like you on board? Honestly, I don't find too many social workers in school districts. However, because of the new law, well, it's not new law, because of the law of the McKinney-Vento Act, there are a lot of homeless liaisons and foster care liaisons. However, I don't see that in the role of a social worker very often. Sure. Okay. All right. All right. Well, Tanya Acreage, thank you. Thank you I appreciate so it so much for you uh, taking some time coming uh, out to our uh, our facilities uh, here in the middle of nowhere to uh, come and record a podcast. I appreciate that. Um, if you have any um, questions um, regarding the podcast, you can email us at conversationsandconnections at fccet.com. And also always like to make sure everyone knows our toll-free number. If you feel like you need the help from the Family Crisis Center, uh, we do have a toll-free phone number to call. That's 1-800-828-7233. That's 1-800-828-7233. And be sure to subscribe to Conversations and Connections. You can do that via Spotify, 
Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or the podcast service of your choice. Remember, be that voice, if not for you, for someone else.